and welcome to episode seven of Cheap Seats, the one and only sports podcast produced by the WDBC Dragon Broadcasting Program. I got a really special guest on with us today. He works for Fox 2, does sports anchoring. It's Mr. Dan Miller. How you doing? Good. This is the most awkward part where, like, if you're on TV, you'd, you'd hear, like, the studio audience clap. So... Yeah, we don't we don't have much in the way of audiences these days anymore. So, you know, it's uh, I think we've all gotten used to just kind of either fake crowd noise, no crowd noise or, or just going without um, It's 2020. It's uh, changed the way we all do business. Yeah, definitely. And for you being from Fox 2, having that period from working from home, obviously, are you back into the studio now working in studio? Yeah, I've been back since July. Um, they have really tried to make it so that we don't come in contact with too many other people within the building. Uh, they've set up, I'm in the sports office, which is where I am right now. Uh, we have people that are in pods where it's a single camera in a room where people can be off by themselves. And they've really just tried to eliminate the need for people to uh, not be able to social distance. So in essence, I walk in the building I come in my entrance, I, I park, I come in the door, I come to my office, I have an assigned bathroom. And basically those are the only rooms that I go in. That's all they want you to do. So if somebody does get sick, it, it makes contact tracing a little bit easier and you don't have a situation where it wipes out an entire newsroom or something along those lines. Yeah, um, definitely from these times, I know speaking from our high school, just being in remote this time period, having to do our broadcast from remote, but that's what we're not here to talk about. We're here to talk about sports. I want to start with some college basketball. We've got Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State, the number four ranked team. Michigan, the number 25 ranked team. Obviously, Mr. Miller, you cover both of those teams for facts too. What is the difference between Coach Izzo's coaching philosophy and Coach um, Howard's philosophy at his second year in Michigan? Well, I think we're still learning about what what Juwan Howard wants to do at Michigan. And I think he'd be the first to tell you he's still learning about being a head coach. You're talking about somebody who's in the Hall of Fame as a head coach and somebody who is now into year two as a head coach. So it's a tough comparison. I think, look, Tom Izzo, uh, we know about the Final Fours, the national championship, the high expectations every year. Uh, I think he, this team might be a little bit better than te- people thought it was the beginning of the year. Time will tell. But I think Hauser coming in, some of the young players have grown up. Uh, I, I really like a lot of the things that he's been able to do so far. And I think Juwan Howard has done a nice job with the transfer portal in adding some toughness and some experience in Smith and in Chandi Brown uh, to help his team. And then obviously Hunter Dickinson's just played great so far. So uh, I think there's a lot to like about both teams. I think in terms of the coaches, Look, we know who Tom Izzo is. We're learning who Juwan Howard is. But as somebody said on our show the other night, I think he's showing that not only can he coach, we knew he could recruit, but he can coach as well. And, and we're figuring that out along the way. Yeah, um, definitely. Juwan Howard, I feel like, turned a lot of heads with – he hung on at the Breslin Center last year playing Michigan State, his first time ever playing Coach Izzo. And then the second time playing him in February, being able to beat him at the – I'm so sorry. At their Chrysler, yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, and those games, especially for Michigan State, being able to go on the road and beat Duke, obviously you don't got the Cameron crazies there this year. What, for definitely a younger team, because Michigan State doesn't have that many 
seniors. They got Aaron Henry, who's a junior. They got a lot of really young players on their team. What is it for confidence-wise going in and beating a team like Duke, which Coach K always seems to have a winning team there? Well, I, I think that means a lot for anybody. And, and whether or not you're playing in front of a crowd or not, they've got Duke on their chest, and that means something. I think we're finding this Duke team isn't up to some of the other Duke teams we've seen in the past, at least right now. We'll see what happens in March. But I think if you're Tom Izzo, it, it means a lot because it gives your players a sense of confidence that they can go on the road, whatever the road is these days, and beat a good team. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have maybe some of the seniors that we've seen them with in the past or some of, you know, X wasn't a senior, but he certainly had a lot of experience. But I think that um, if you look at Hauser, who's been around and has brought a lot to that team, you know, last year all we talked about was – can Aaron Henry or Gabe Brown become that third scorer? Uh, and we didn't get to find that out last year in the tournament. Well, both those guys are a year older, and I think they've gotten better. And I think that, um, you know, Rocket Watts has a lot of experience under his belt. Lawyer looks more uh, comfortable this year than he's looked in the past. So I just think uh, some of these guys have grown up in East Lansing for Tom Izzo, and, and that might put this team in a better place than maybe some people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely um, <laughs> thanks, Dawson. Uh, thanks, Dawson. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Um, a lot of those Spartan players, you know, the morale, once, you know, one guy, they pick everybody up, they're ready next game. You know, after beating Duke, they got, they got that, you know, confidence, and they got that spirit, team spirit. They can, you know – they're with every team, and, you know, after I was watching that Duke game, you know, they were down, like, a good significant amount at the start of the game, and they came after the first half and ended up stunning them. You know, that takes a lot, especially when you're down on a team like Duke. Yeah, you know. Well, they couldn't, they couldn't, hit, they couldn't hit anything early in that game, and they were really struggling sure. offensively. And Duke, frankly, wasn't hitting anything either, and they weren't able to get um, that much separation. And then Michigan State woke up, and I think it's hard to look at that game and not think that Michigan State is just a better team right now. Um, but we'll see what develops. Sometimes what you see in December isn't necessarily what you're going to see in, in March. So time will bear it out. But look, you know, when you start talking about confidence, resiliency, and things like that, uh, those are Tom Izzo traits. Those are Tom Izzo teams. That's what they do year in and year out. So that's what you expect when those guys take the court. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's a talented group of players there. And, again, oftentimes your improvement comes from young players getting better year to year. And I think we can document that at Michigan State. And I think, you know, you can doc document some of that at Michigan too. Uh, just getting some of those guys back and, and being healthy this year is significant as well. And um, so I, I look, I, I think what we have seen so far from both teams this year gives you uh, high hopes that, that they may be sticking around for a while in March. There's a lot of time to go between now and then and a lot of development that has to happen. But I would say the early returns on both of them has been really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, both teams have looked really good. The only downside for Michigan is Oakland did take them to overtime. But I really think that Oakland team is a lot better than everyone's saying and their record says. Um, one last thing I want to ask you, Mr. Miller, about Michigan State is you had Cassius Winston, who was the leader in the club or in the locker room last year. Who do you think 
besides Aaron Henry can take that leadership role and just kind of fill the shoes that Cassius Winston left at Michigan State? Well, you'd like to think it's somebody like a Rocket Watts who's going to grow up and become a leader for that team because he's controlling the basketball. I think Lawyer is a guy who's been there for a while that, that can be a leader type of player. Um, you'd like to see Aaron Henry. He's, he's not, uh, doesn't appear to be a very vocal guy, but you know what? He's getting to the point where he's got the experience now. And I, look, I think he's an NBA type talent. I, I would love to see him become somebody that they look to late in games to lead the way and, and to be the guy that they key off of with the basketball in his hands in tight situations. So I look, I think there's, I think Hauser is a guy with some experience that can be a leader on that team. I think they have a number of guys. Maybe last year you had two in particular that we looked to and said those are the leaders. But I think that this year maybe there's the opportunity for more. And that develops over time. It doesn't happen overnight. But that develops as you get into a season and you get into some tough spots. And um, guys maybe find out who's the, the, the force that can lead them when they get into those difficult situations and help them out of them. Yeah, definitely. That was some really good points. Moving on to some college football, we are less than two weeks away. We're about two weeks away from the college football playoffs. As it looks like right now, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. What do you think out of those four teams I mentioned or other teams, maybe like a Texas Tech or a Florida who got upset by LSU this past weekend, what do you think, which team do you think we could be seeing standing with the national championship trophy come a couple weeks from here. Yeah, I think that was a crushing blow for Florida to lose that game. I think that you, we'll see what happens and how the playoff committee decides to handle Clemson and Notre Dame playing again. Notre Dame obviously won the first time. Clemson didn't have their quarterback at that point, so we'll have to wait and see. If Clemson was to win this time and they split the series, do they then say, okay, Notre Dame did win one. We're going to keep them in there. So – I think assuming they three out of the four of them win, one of those two is obviously going to lose because they're playing one another. Uh, look, when you put it all down, I like Alabama. I like Ohio State this year. Those are the two teams that have stood out to me as, as quite possibly the best. Um, you know, they, they have – Alabama is what they usually are. They're a terrific team. They've got the defense. They've got the offense. They've got the playmakers uh quarterback again who's you know maybe not up there with what you're going to get from Ohio State or from Clemson but Jones pretty good and I think he's good he's a good enough player certainly to win national championship but if you ask me to kind of rate the top two out of them I would have Alabama and Ohio State I think Ohio State's terrific I think Fields is outstanding um there's just a lot to like about that football team right now and the way that they play he Fields is just so – he reminds me of, of Deshaun Watson and the way that he plays and just there's no panic in him. He's just such a calming presence out there. Um, you know, you watch that Michigan game and, and you know, the, the, against uh, Michigan State, I should say, and, and the snaps are going, you know, left, right, and center all over the place. I mean, it's, it's like he's a shortstop or a catcher fielding a knuckleball. And um, he handled it and kept his cool and marches them right down the field. And I just, I, th I think those are the two probably that have separated themselves for me. And uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what they do with, with whoever loses that Notre Dame-Clemson game coming up this week. 
Anyone else got any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, From what I've I've taken some notes this morning, I know the committee was saying something about Texas A&M being fifth. What will come into them to be in the top four, they might not be – they they might not make it in the top four as they've only have beaten two top 25 teams in, you know, their games they've played this year. And a lot of the other teams are not really that great compared to, say, teams Notre Dame, Clemson have beaten this year. Um, A&M, I don't think, will make a push. Florida, they might, if they get lucky, they might. They but, got unlucky. They got unlucky you know, last week against an LSU team yeah. that isn't very good. So I, I think that yeah. really hurts them. Um, yeah. I, I don't so see how that's going to happen. I think it's you'd have to have a couple of upsets. Couple I think for that to even be remote. For sure. In my mind. Yeah, it's going to come down to that. What you said, Dan, Clemson and Notre Dame. What they're going to do with the the seeding shakeup after that game is complete. That's going to be the real, you know. Real and, and that's barring a surprise. That's that's barring Northwestern beating Ohio State or something like that. I mean, look, they got there's still things that have to happen before we're going to know which of those four teams is in there. So you know, that's that's why we play them. That's why this is fun. We'll see how they survive if they can get to this point. Yeah, there's so much teams on the outside looking in that you know might have a chance, but still long off. But you know, I've there's been occasions every year. You know, something happens and some team makes it in there that you might have not have thought right off the bat. So, yeah, they were talking about the Gators this morning and what they were saying in the long run. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes up as Alabama and Florida are playing again. So if Florida miraculously pulls this one off, that might be a plus for them in the long run, for the long run. Yeah, I mean that's why they I mean, that's, uh, why, that's, they, that's uh, why they're that's, playing that's right why now. They're playing right now. And I oh, think yeah. it's going to be interesting, but again, I think it would it, it would take a lot in my mind for Florida to bounce back from, you know, losing that game, uh two losses, uh losing against LSU and again when they really didn't play that well and LSU's not very good. So, look, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're sitting there with a two loss Clemson team. If they lose to Notre Dame, that would, that would bode well for somebody else. Uh, but if Trevor Lawrence is playing, I don't know that Clemson's going to lose to Notre Dame, but I'm really looking forward to watching that game. What do you think um, Ohio state obviously playing five games, they had the outbreak on their team. Then Michigan had the outbreak this past weekend. They canceled against Ohio state. Ohio State only playing five games within the Big Ten Championship. What do you think that has against their resume? Do you think that might make them a lower seed than they deserve? Or how do you think that's going to work out against them? Uh, you know what? It might hurt them in the fact that, that they have them at number four. It, for me, it, look, I think it was the right thing to do. They were going to be in there regardless of whether or not they beat Michigan uh, by virtue of their win over Indiana. So, Look, it's 2020, man. You, you can't control if another team can't play a game or you can't play a game or something along those lines. Uh, so you got to look at it and say, look, let's not kid ourselves either. The Big Ten's looking at this and saying, they're our shot to get into the college football playoff and they're our shot to get some money from the college football playoff. So if they can do that and we can stop some of the bleeding we've had from this crazy season, then let's do that. I, I think the Big Ten did the right thing. 
it, Indiana had a chance on the field against Ohio State to make their case they didn't win the game. And I don't think Ohio State was losing to Michigan. Even if they had lost, they were still going to the playoffs. So I don't really think it's that controversial a decision. I mean, you know, we've seen other conferences change their rules. You know, the, the ACC canceled Notre Dame and Clemson's last games. And uh, the, the Pac-12's got all sorts of stuff going up on right now in terms yeah, the of pack, what they're doing. The Pac-12's been crazy this week. Yeah, so it's just, look, it's 2020, and it is what it is. I have no problem with what they did with Ohio State. Anyone else have any thoughts about that? But I was going to say, I was going to say, it is like how Dan was saying about um, Ohio State and Alabama being like the top two teams. I think the whoever gets the fourth seed, it's not going to matter. They're going to get blown out by an Alabama. So it it's going to be like a big decision for the committee. But in the long run, it's not going to it's not really going to even matter because we're going to see Ohio State and Alabama in these like top two positions for like whoever wins that game uh, winning it all. Yeah, and I would think whoever loses Notre Dame-Clemson, if they keep them in there, drops to number four. Ohio State, assuming they beat Northwestern, gets out of the four spot, and you avoid having Alabama and Clemson play. Or excuse me, Alabama and Ohio State play in round one. So, uh, look, I think if, if they had their druthers, you would, you would have uh, probably Notre Dame lose to Clemson. Notre Dame falls to four. Clemson goes up to two. Ohio State goes to three. Clemson plays Ohio State. Notre Dame plays Alabama, and you let it sort itself out from there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, that was some really good points there. Moving on to the NFL, the Lions. I can't remember if we talked about this last episode. Lions moved on from head coach Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn. I want to get your thoughts on this, Mr. Miller. And who do you think, or who have you heard a name of? for the Lions head coaching opening position? Well, I think the, at this point, it's kind of tough to put much stock into the names that you hear. I think Robert Sala is probably the name that you hear most often. There's an obvious link because he's from the area. He's done a great job in San Francisco. Everybody I've talked to has said nothing but glowing things about him. I think he's going to get strong, strong consideration to be the head coach of this football team. But I think there will be others as well. Um, I think the the Thing that there's much less clarity is the general manager and and what are you looking for you're looking for a first-time general manager i'm so sorry i've never been a gm like a lewis riddick or somebody like that um but i think it, there, there's so much left in, there's a couple things a lot of time left in the search and there's also you're gonna have probably upwards of five to eight teams looking for general managers so there's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of musical chairs going on in terms of who can, you know, land a gig here or there or the competition and, and all those things. So, man, I, it's going to be really tough to sort this thing out. But in the end, everybody is going to get a guy that they probably like or certainly like. Might not be their first choice. And I'm talking about everybody involved. But um, it's, this is obviously a, a, a monumental time in the franchise the, the opportunity to find a head coach and a general manager to get this thing right, to fix it and, and to move forward here. And it, it obviously has not been good for a while and you've got to find some way to get people in there that understand acquiring talent, developing talent, and then utilizing talent. And that's, that's where they're at right now. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, one name I heard actually come up a few hours ago, I believe he's going to meet with the Lions Friday, is Louis Riddick mm-hmm. currently works on Monday Night Football. Do you think that's someone we could possibly see as a GM for the Lions or for a different NFL team come 2021? Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, again, with maybe five to eight openings this year, that Louis Riddick could end up with one of those jobs. He's worked in personnel before. He did in Washington. He did with the Eagles as well. So while he hasn't been a general manager, he, he has been there making those types of decisions or in on those types of decisions. Um, he's well-liked, presents well. Um, clearly has, I think, done nothing but help his reputation with the work that he's done on television. Um, so, yeah, I think he is a viable candidate here and certainly a viable candidate anywhere else. I think he's, he's one of the guys. And, and the people that you can talk to now are the ones that are not – currently employed like your Rick Smiths or, or any of the other guys that, that have experienced the past. Dimitrov, who was in Atlanta, uh, is somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if they talked to here at some point. Um, those are guys that I, that I would look at, and you can get those interviews out of the way now and then theoretically move into the guys that are still working now and unavailable to talk until after the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, one more question, then we'll move on. So from what it looks like right now, are the Lions going to go with another defensive mind like Patricia or with another off or with like an offensive mind, like maybe a Brian Dabble out of Buffalo? I don't think anybody has any idea. And I don't know that they have any idea right now. I think they're looking for the best person to run this football team, uh, regardless of which side of the ball he's on. Now, if you're on the defensive side of the ball right now, and you're Robert Sala and you come in, you're coming in with a presentation to the Lions search committee and saying, here's my crew. This is going to be my offensive coordinator. These are the people that I'm bringing. This is what I want to do. If you're an offensive coach, you're doing the same thing. When these guys come in, they have a very good idea who their staff is going to be. They present that. And part of being a defensive coach is showing people that you've got the other side of the ball handled as well with a staff that is ready to go. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be, I feel like a lot of shakeup in the NFL when it comes to head coaches and when it comes to GMs. Um, I kind of want to talk about a team we've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast. They've lost two games in a row, Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost to Washington on Monday night football a couple weeks ago. And then they lost to Buffalo in Buffalo last Sunday night. What do you think's going wrong in um, Pittsburgh that they are doing now that they really didn't do the first 11 weeks? Yeah, everybody's going to lose a couple games. And, I mean, look, losing to Buffalo is, is no crime. That's a really good team that they lost to in Buffalo. Um, I, look, I don't think Pittsburgh was a 16-0 and team or even if they had gone 16-0 and that they were somebody that you would look to march through the playoffs. I think they're good. I, I don't know that I would look at them and, and say that they're better than Kansas City or that I think in a playoff game, uh, probably in Kansas City or wherever it is, and that probably doesn't make as much difference. Pittsburgh and Kansas City have almost the same weather, and it's, you're not going to have much of a crowd there, if any. Um, so, look, I, I still think Kansas City is the class of the AFC. I think Pittsburgh is good. Uh, love the way they get after the passer, and that's always a, a big deal. I just don't know. You know, they've had some injuries at running back, obviously. I just don't know if this is a team that I look at and say, 
they're my odds on favor for the AFC, even if they got off to that 11-0 start. I don't think the two losses are, are necessarily indicative of some huge problem that they've had. But, again, I, I, I would not have them up there as my odds on favor to come out of the AFC right now. Anyone else, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I was going to say you can't hold this loss against the Bills against them. They had like half an offensive line. No, The linebacker core right now, none of them started in the first week because they lost Devin Bush, and then they also lost Bud Dupree. So the the defense, the offensive line is down, so the run game is hurting. And when the run game's hurting – and you can't keep them honest with the run game, they're going to be on the pass, and that's what we saw against the Bills. And the Bills are a good team. It's not like all – like the Washington football team, that's a little bit bigger of a loss than the Bills. It is, but the, that Washington uh, defensive line is the real deal. And they're getting yeah, better right. as the season goes on. And you've seen as long as they have somebody in there, you know, playing even a respectable uh, game at quarterback – they're going to be tough. That's, that's a team that's moving in the right direction. They're doing things. They've got something to build around there. Um, that's, a, that's a team in the midst of a very strong rebuild when you look at those five number one picks on their defensive line and the way that they can really build around that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good launching pad to the final thing I want to talk about in this episode. The NFL, NFC East is hands down the weakest division in, a, in the NFL who do you think looks like the front runner coming out of the NFC East to grab that four seed in the NFC I mean, in the I NFC mean, playoffs? In the NFC playoffs. I, uh, I think it's the Eagles. You got that uh, Ohio State prospect coming out. Uh, no, never mind. Uh, Oklahoma. You got Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Yeah. Hurts. Yeah. yeah. He's a. He's a. You know, I remember him from Alabama coming in, beating Georgia that one game. I think Hurts is a hidden gem. He's going to do good for that team. Yeah, I mean, only problem is with them, they're two games out in the win column. You're running a little bit light on time here. Uh, Washington is 6-7. and seven. I don't really know what their schedule looks like the rest of the way. But uh, if you're Philadelphia, you've got some ground to make up here. Uh, you're one game out in the loss column with the tie that they have. So, I, look, we've all kind of been waiting for Philadelphia and wondering if they were going to get it together. Maybe Hurts can be the guy. But you, at this point, with three games to go, have lost all your room for error for the most part. So um, we'll see how it plays out. I think Washington, um, you know, is probably just by virtue of being in first place right now. I'm trying to look up and see what Washington their schedule is. Washington plays Seattle, the, the Panthers, and the Eagles. So, so yeah, that right Eagles now, game probably week win 17 two or three could, be, could be significant. And obviously having to play Seattle is pretty rough as well. So we'll see how they, they work things out and how it, uh, you know, I'm trying to see what the Eagles schedule is. Obviously they got Washington in week 17. I'm pulling it up. Eagles have Cardinals, which will be a tough game. And then Cowboys, less so. And then uh, Washington in week 17. So It'll be interesting, but uh, I, I would rather be the team that's ahead right now than the team with three games to go that, that doesn't have much margin for error. And, you know, Hertz did a nice job. Let's see what he can continue to do as teams get tape on him and you move forward and he's got to continue to play well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Washington, in my opinion, is the front runner. That, that defense, it showed up against Pittsburgh. It showed up um, against Detroit. It showed up time and time again this year. I feel like Chase Young, hands down, is my defensive rookie of the year. He's played out of his mind this year. He had that really awesome uh, sack of Nick Mullins against the 49ers this past weekend. He had that um, 
play right before halftime where he ran like I think 60 yards, something like that, to score that touchdown right before half. The other team that I feel like is turning a bunch of heads within these last couple of weeks is the New York Giants. Obviously, getting Daniel Jones back this past week is a big thing, but I think they rushed Daniel Jones back. I think they should have waited one more week to bring him back. He just looked stiff last week against um, – I'm trying to think who they played right now. I believe the Cardinals. He just looked stiff last weekend. You wait one last week, but you got to think about who the Giants beat a couple weeks ago. They beat Russell Wilson in that really good Seattle offense. So I think there's something to build upon in Washington. Joe Judge has done an awesome job with the Giants offense. Well, remember, too, that uh, they also have the advantage that they've beaten Washington a couple times, so they've got a tiebreaker there. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day in the league who just was raving about Judge and the job that he's done and, and what they feel like he's going to be able to accomplish there. So um, there's, there's a lot to like, and somebody's going to win that division. Somebody's going to get a home playoff game by virtue of winning that division. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing sorts itself out the rest of the way, I think. Again, having those two wins over Washington makes it certainly advantageous for New York. But if you're Washington, you, you've, you've got the one-game lead right now. Uh, you've got the – you're controlling your own destiny. We'll see what they can do. I don't know what controlling your own destiny necessarily means in the NFC East this year, but that's where they are right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I hate to cut this um, short, but we're almost running out of time. I've almost hit my 40-minute limit on Zoom. So I want to thank Mr. Dan Miller one more time for coming on, joining us for this podcast. Um, I know I really enjoyed it. I think I can speak for everyone else when they say they really enjoyed it. Um, so thank you, for Mr. thank you, Mr. Miller, for coming on. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to Episode 7 of Cheap Seats. We'll see you next episode.